Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and killer robots from the future. And welcome to Slow Motion Triple Feature, a podcast in which three friends watch three movies over the course of three weeks. Each month, a different friend will select a different triple feature for their friends to enjoy and discuss. Slow Motion Triple Feature is one of the many fine podcasts brought to you by the American Friend Institute. I'm your host, Mike Keller, and I am joined today by my good friends, Kit and Andrew. Tonight, we're continuing Andrew's best action movies ever, asterisk, triple feature, uh, with 1991's Terminator 2, Judgment Day, directed by James Cameron and starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, Linda Hamilton, Edward Furlong, and Robert Patrick, which I will add is number 11 on the American Friends Institute uh, 40 Years 100 Movies list. So Hell yeah. You know, I was yeah. thinking, because we were talking before you did the intro about like um, movies to do for the third entry, and it, and, and it is genuinely very hard because this... There are so many horrible, horrible action movies, but there are so many really, really good ones. I kind of feel like at the end of the third episode, we should just do like a quick like 10 minutes of just rattling off our favorites and mm-hmm. why just a couple. I think favorite okay. action movies. Yeah, because it's like you. I don't think I think it was I think prop, uh, the I shot myself in the foot by saying the greatest of all time because it's just that's stupid. I shouldn't have said that. I should have just said, here's three action movies. <laughs> take it or leave it (laughs) an action-packed trivial feature yeah exactly yeah now we can always re-record the the intros or the entire episodes if you'd like sure okay um (laughs) anyhow for terminator 2 uh what made you pick this one andrew this is um this is this is a very formative movie for me it also Mm -hmm. i think is it's kind of the end of the or or the, the 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 sign of the end of like the strongman action movie um and it's probably Arnold Schwarzenegger it is Arnold Schwarzenegger's best movie that isn't somewhat like aware of the presence he b- brings i think well although i think there are moments in this movie where it's where there's sort of an, a self awareness he's not playing himself right it's not like as much like yeah. I don't, th- I don't think there's as many like other than I'll be back. Which this movie has the best I'll be back other than the first movie because I, <laughs> after this they're sort of like it's it's all about you have to say I'll be back, whereas and and or or like but there's so many like movies where it's like it's it's the get to the chopper, it's just his sort of yell like the, like the the sort of memification of Arnold Schwarzenegger like starts around like i think what 1985 to like 1995 like that's where all the material comes from but i think this movie is the most like earnest and the highest quality anyway yeah and i love this movie i saw this movie before i saw the first one um same yeah i saw this (laughs) on a i saw this on a like thrice uh recorded vhs tape um, so like the tracking was like super terrible and I remember being really scared cause I was like nine and mm-hmm. it was called Terminator and I knew they were rated R movies, but I, all, my friend and I wasn't allowed to watch rated R movies. I did anyway, but like technically I wasn't allowed to. So I didn't see this like until I was a few, it was, a, it had been out for a while. But one thing I was thinking about, um, is that it's crazy that there used to be like so many like toy like products create like children's products created for like violent rated R movies. 
Yeah. I was just thinking about this because that came up. I watched a video about um, Batman Forever. That's the one with Jim Carrey, right? Yeah. And about how, I don't know, I've been thinking about Batmans a lot recently. Of course. Um, <laughs> and there was a huge controversy about um, Batman Returns that all of that there were all of these toys and like happy meal thing happy meals being marketed to kids and then the movie was like very dark and violent and kids were like really apparently scared by it like particularly the penguin being so gross yeah um, if i may yeah. jump in very briefly uh the only like recurring nightmare that i can remember having is the penguin kidnapping my sister. So that's a testament to how <laughs> so I will be I will talk about us. my worst nightmare ever as well later in the episode. Okay. But um, but they it was like that that's partly why the bat why that franchise moved in a different direction is because Interesting. Interesting. because merchandising was so huge for that franchise and like parents and also like the company selling the or marketing the toys were like you have to make the movies for kids then you know and yeah. tim burton kind of realized like oh they don't want me to make these anymore <laughs> they want to give it to somebody else um that's Wasn't just like a law away. in like the late 90s did you re- did that come up at all what uh that that you can't have toy lines for rated r films like if, if the film is that. not I, I might be wrong maybe it was like they tried to make a law i don't know if that would even yeah, I don't know, but but my awareness of this movie prior to it was like prior to seeing it as mm-hmm. a as, and this is I saw it probably five or six years after it came out. Um, my awareness is from kids who had the toys. Hmm. Yeah. You well, know? and it was very like. So I hadn't. I think the last time I watched this might have been with you and Cody, uh, Kit. We it was like <laughs> one of the first Blu-rays I ever saw, and we were just like upstairs mm-hmm. in his room. Yeah. For some reason. And yeah. And I think that was the last time I watched this. Anyhow, watching it this time, there was so much of like these like little kind of hazy flashbacks to my childhood where I was like, like, I didn't see this in theaters. I didn't have any of the toys, but it Mm -hmm. was just sort of everywhere for a very long time. It was video games. Yep. Uh, It was I don't know if it was on TV or like at the video store. It was just always very prominent on the shelf. And like that poster of him on the motorcycle with the glasses like was just kind of everywhere well, and, uh, and there's a kid in the movie so it's like yeah that's probably yeah. part of it too well yeah arguably this if if there is like a rated r movie to show a child it's, it is this one i think yes yeah it was also the i think at the time the biggest movie of all time i know it was the most expensive mm. it was the first movie to have a hundred million dollar budget yeah which was a big deal and then i think and then titanic was the first to have a 200 million dollar budget uh yeah, you're seeing huh. a trend, James Cameron. <laughs> so he just makes the most expensive movie and ever. And how much was and Avatar? Then, yeah, and and then Avatar was the most expensive movie ever. And yeah. but they keep he keeps making the most profitable movie. Maybe yeah. maybe in a way because that's kind of what Hollywood's formula is now is oh no, something failed. We better put another 100 million dollars into it and then mm-hmm. it'll be and then it'll be good. Maybe yeah. they maybe they just keep seeing what George, James Cameron's doing and thinking that's what they have to do to make a good yeah. movie. I think this is off a little off topic. I think Avatar is kind of fucked because it's everything I'm hearing is that like the Chinese box office is no longer that safe 
for although Avatar could be different because they loved Avatar. Right. But like uh like for Marvel movies and DC movies, it's like China's allowing fewer and fewer American films in general, and they've uh-huh. really kind of I guess got their own film industry up to make these really big shitty blockbusters like we do. Uh anyhow, so I I've wondered like for Avatar two, three, four, five, six, seven, and eight uh <laughs> will he be able to get these six billion dollars back for them or whatever no well here's the thing they didn't cost six billion dollars um but well like, what, yeah i'm just what, what the thing is is like avatar didn't need to make three and a half billion dollars to be profitable you know what i mean yeah Th- they walk away they walk away with you know a third of that and i'm there they've because they haven't greenlit the fourth and fifth ones yet so and sh- the whole shooting thing, them at once saves a I little bit them. right it does yeah but they've also been shooting them for four fucking That's years. That's true. Right. Yeah. So Avatar was three hundred million. I, I think that's inflated a little bit. Um, I okay. think that includes some of the, like the marketing and other things. But um, yes, at the time it was the most expensive movie ever made, and then it was quickly, like it's pretty, it's pretty crazy when you actually look at the list of most expensive movies because that did not last long like i remember yeah. like the I think pirates um, of the caribbean or something pirates mm-hmm. of the caribbean four yeah it was like it's great i think it's let's see here yeah ah. so pirates of the caribbean on stranger tides cost 379 million dollars in uh that's wild it is it is and then you and that's in 2011 like avatar is number 22 okay avatar the official budget is 237 million. Okay. That's Which is bad. not no, it's I mean yeah, it is. It's well, insane. I think it's the ludicrous. Things, the things that they're doing are getting the things that made the first one innovative for some reason are increasingly you know, that was a decade ago. Yep. Like it's well, easier to do now partially because that movie exists. Yes. It's not that- as expensive to achieve the same results although I'm sure he's still trying to do some crazy shit. Well, yeah, they developed like a whole new right, the, a whole whole new technology for doing motion capture underwater because <clears throat> apparently they tried to sell. They were like, no, don't do it underwater because the cameras can't really. They don't really. It, it doesn't really track well, and so they did a bunch of tests for him. Um, like he let them go away for however much time they needed to like do all these tests to do it with to mm-hmm. do it like on wires, and it was like no, it looks like shit. We have to invent something. So they that's one of the reasons the movie took so long. Huh. Um, well, but yeah. Anyway, yeah, they, it's crazy looking at this this list. In fact, if this is to be believed, which it's just a Wikipedia like table, but if this is to be believed, then I am actually wrong about Avatar ever being the most expensive movie ever made. Because it looks like Pirates of the Caribbean 3 was more expensive. It looks like Spider-Man 3 was more expensive. Part of Avatar's marketing push, at least, (laughs) was that it was so expensive. Because I remember that at least kind of being like a talking point like when people were anticipating it. They could have been including including the marketing budget into, into that. You know, so when because they had to market the shit out of it because it was a a movie about giant CGI blue cats. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's a tough sell, I think. Right. Anyhow, Terminator 2. Yes. Um, So, Kit, what's your history with this film? 
Um, well, I also saw this as a young person. I, de- I didn't see it in theaters, obviously, but I feel like I saw it, you know, relatively soon after it came out, although it would have seems like it would have had to be on TV. So, like, I'm not sure. Um, we didn't have HBO or anything like that. But <clears throat> my mom is a big I was texting her during the movie because something that. So like all the rest of us, this is the first Terminator that I saw. Mm-hmm. And I've still seen it way more times than I've seen T1. Yeah, um, for sure. And T1 doesn't even really stick in my head that much. But watching this time, it's like been a few years. I think I saw the... I f- finally understood <laughs> that this is a sequel to a movie where Arnold is the bad guy. Like, I know that intellectually, but watching the movie, I was like, oh. So I was texting my mom to be like, hey, did you see this in theaters? And yeah, she'd seen, she saw both of them in theaters. And I was like, when he, you know, I was like, you know, the scene where he's in the police station and he takes a gun out of the box of roses and he's going to, sh- and he's like, pointing it and then he tells the kid to duck and he shoots the cop terminator yeah. i was like did you was that like a huge did they successfully make you assume that arnold was the bad guy um in this yeah. movie and she was like yes she said i she said i didn't believe that the cop terminator was like a the good guy which i think you you are supposed to assume that as well it leads you on they, a little yeah they well, he, say they're they say they're sending a protector and a right and someone to hunt John Connor. So I think you're supposed to see the T-1000 is like, that's the protector. Yeah. But my mom was like, no, I was, <laughs> I knew he was bad too, but that it was like a big surprise. And like, obviously like Linda Hamilton, it's just, it's interesting to me and mm-hmm. really impressive among the many profoundly impressive things about this movie uh-huh. is the degree to which it stands alone completely as its own movie if you want it to like oh, all yeah. to me all the ba- i mean and this has a huge complicated time travel-y backstory that goes both before and after this movie which is uh-huh. like really not my jam but i can completely watch this and just be like oh it's like star wars when they talk about the clone wars like this is just you know a history a yeah. thing yeah. and we don't have to like see it happen but like Linda Hamilton's reaction to seeing him again still plays like perfectly mm-hmm. yeah. for me without r- remembering like, oh, yeah, they have this whole history where he was hunting her. Um, but to return to childhood. So like I very much think of this as a as a horror movie and it's my kind of this of this this movie you think of as a horror yes. movie. I feel hmm. that this is a to me this is a horror movie and this is my kind of horror movie. Yeah. My rec- my scariest nightmare I ever had uh as a kid and like to this day was about um a hydra that came out at the top of my stairs of our stairs at our house in Portland and like a hydra like you cut off the head and two more heads grow. Like to me mm-hmm. the scariest the most threatening monsters are the ones that are unkillable that they just like keep coming and no matter what you do like they just keep on coming which is obviously exactly what this guy is i remember i don't know if this is the watch you were referencing mike but like we watched this with carrie and carrie was like yeah like it traumatized her (laughs) it was like and she was an adult woman i think at the time it scared her so bad and i think that this i think this movie is really scary i think there's a ton of like like body horror elements there are like it's just it's so relentless like 
and they put it you know, like you like a kid is in peril i also like there's the the fucking the nuke scene is like yeah yeah it's pretty scary that's like one of i think my mom mentioned that as well that's just, it's like anyone who's seen that and it to me it holds up super well today where i still even with where we at in where we're at in movies and as audiences, the like where we keep just increasing the threshold for like what we consider horrific, uh-huh. like still when you're like watching babies like play in a in you know a playground knowing what's coming, like it yep. is really hor- <laughs> horrific. So yeah. I think this is a great scary movie. Um, it has elements of the thing for me. Yeah, um, definitely. And it scared me a lot as a kid, even though I also like really I I've always liked this movie a lot. Yeah. I yeah, think I guess that's a lot of things. But one thing I had noted was that I saw a lot of the thing in this too. Like when they shoot the grenade in him or whatever yes. that explosive oh, yeah, shell. Sure. And so Robotine like, flips open. Yeah. Like yeah. that's very I don't know. Also, I I had something for the thing. Some here. Yeah, it reminds me of the thing. T-1000 reminds me of the thing. A weird non-human monster. Uh, the main difference being that he's very sleek, whereas in the thing, it's complete chaos. It's just yeah. like organism, you know, replicating or whatever. It's chaotic. Um, and at the very end, when he's like morphing, he falls in or I think he falls into the, the molten mm-hmm. steel and he's like flopping and transforming into all the people he's been before. Mm-hmm. It's like terrifying, like especially cause, because I remember seeing this when I was, you know, probably 10 or so um, that. Yeah. Like as a kid, that's just like, you know, there's there's already the nightmare of the whole movie of like constantly being chased by yeah. these like unstoppable forces, which is like so many of my nightmares. But then there's also like just that. Yeah. That horror of like you said, body horror where it's mm-hmm. he's a robot, but he's still like, you know, human yeah, well, like, in and out. The part, like, I'm trying to think, I don't even remember really seeing this part as a kid because I feel like I would have, like, not been able to handle the movie. But when he's on the phone as the mom, as the foster mom. That scared the oh, shit out of And you me. just hear the, yeah. like, ka-chink. Yeah, that's yeah, great. And then when they pan over and show the guy, at, mm-hmm. like, Through I don't like impalings. I really don't like that. And then yeah. his hands, like, dropping off the milk. Yeah. It's like... That is nasty. I specifically remember that making my blood run cold when I was a yeah. kid. That was yeah. just so terrifying. Well, it's because yeah. it's not just an impaling. It's a head impaling, which is like right. crunchier. And, and there's that, a lot of like blade. pointy like, metal. Just, yeah. yeah. It's a really, I think, and I, I don't know if the, to me, you know, there's a couple of things that date this movie. There's okay. the morph. Sure. When he's fully silver, it's like, eh, that's a little bit Alex Mack. It's kind of unfortunate. The score, Andrew, you mentioned this recently because we were talking about something and I compared something to the T2 score and you were like, oh, Mm -hmm. it's way better than the T2 score. I don't Mm -hmm. think I remembered what the T2 score was until I listened to it. I'm like, oh, yeah, this does sound very cheap. It needed like a John Carpenter synth score instead of this sounds like a TV score to me. Weird. I really like the score. I like I I do like I I do like like it. it. I I don't I don't dislike it. It sounds like X Files or something. I'm just saying it's like everything else in the movie. Like I was saying to Lee, like I feel like you could show this to a kid 50 years from now and they'd still be like, "This is cool." There's just a yeah. like couple of things that that date yeah. it, and I think that score is one. And I think that the morphing technology, and then there's like the this dumb bad fake slow mo uh, at the end. 
Oh um, yeah, well we we yeah, which that, is unfortunate. But it's always a bad choice. I don't know why. Everything do else it. feels very like perennially effective to me. Like obviously all of yes. the map paintings and miniatures and really flying a helicopter underneath an overpass. That kind yeah. of stuff is like that's just never going to get old. I think no, yeah. no. The 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 truck driving into the into the steel plant or whatever. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's 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 in. Like insane, how cool! Like when they're actually inside the structure, but they're still driving like seventy miles an hour or whatever. Yeah, and the camera is on the other side of like scaffolding, also going that fast. It's just it, it truly blows my mind. Like yeah, yeah, it it's so much. I think this is such a unique movie because you can watch it completely. You can watch it as just someone who knows nothing about movies and mm-hmm. and recognize like oh, fuck, this is better than most movies. And you yeah. can also watch it as someone who knows a little bit about movies and just be like, how the fuck did they do this? <laughs> yeah. like, there's so many things. that Even the, the way that they treat the helicopter going under the overpass is like, yeah, they shoot it so you can see what it's doing. But it's like, like... No, yeah, it, yeah. There's I, no fanfare. <laughs> yeah. Like, no. They're just, it, and like... It, yeah, remi- it's it, just, crazy. It, re- it reminds me of like a thing that became popular in the early 2000s, which was taken from like skate videos, basically, which was where somebody would do a stunt and then they would show it again from like two or three other. Yeah, angles. exactly. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like a thing that makes no. it's stupid. It's horrible. Mm-hmm. And and you've got James Cameron flying helicopters under overpasses and just treating it like well i guess we can leave it in the movie um <laughs> right <laughs> and this and the, it's it's i love the story behind that too because it was like they were trying to figure out what to do and it was the helicopter pilot i think who was like mm-hmm. oh i can just i'll just fly it un- i can fly it under it's crazy <laughs> no. it's, so like it's so I, insane. I actually rewound and it's like, it it's, to watch it it's like a foot you know what i mean mm-hmm. like it's like I know. that and you know so, you you know they didn't like call the insurance company. You know what I mean? Like no nobody <laughs> nobody was like, "All right, let's run this up the flagpole and let's just see what other people think." Like fuck no. They shot that right, right the fuck then and then sh- you know, they they asked for forgiveness. They did not ask for permission. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I rewound that to watch it because you're right. It does just like fly by like like they don't even really like milk it with like a cool camera angle. No, kind of happens straight on. Yeah, yeah. And I'm and looking. So I'm like, looking for. I'm looking for wheels on the. On yeah. The, what are they? Just, struts, yeah. Struts something. Or whatever, some on the skids. Ropes like on. Yeah. So anything. And when I was rewatching it, I also was like, it doesn't even really slow down. Like it's not like no. they're going like room like they're racing, right. and then they cut to a scene where it's like zoom, like this helicopter slowly, yeah. carefully. It's they just, don't like, do still anything to prove <laughs> that it's not a miniature. Like they yeah. don't. Like they just are like, oh yeah, how's he gonna get through here? I guess we'll just go. Like it's so <laughs> nonchalant. There's not a big music ste- scene, but you're right, like a little zoom or something. Yeah. To emphasize it, it's nothing. It's just so, like I they think didn't care. <laughs> we should find a way. Not that we care that much about Oscars, but we should find a way to get an honorary Oscar to the guy that flew that helicopter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he deserves it. One of the coolest things I've ever seen in a movie. Well, and it honestly <laughs> makes you go because, like, I remember every time I get out of like a Mission Impossible movie, I'm like, well, what could they possibly do next time? They've done everything. Yeah, it's like they haven't. I mean, there's still stuff from 30 years or 30 <laughs> years ago that like nobody else is doing that. True. That's like, true. It's... That that helicopter pilot does make Tom Cruise look like a coward. <laughs> <laughs> I'm seriously, I'm like, 
I wonder if Tom Cruise thinks about this when he keeps making Mission Impossible. He's like, I haven't done anything as cool as yeah. flying a helicopter under an overpass. <laughs> Tom Cruise. <laughs> I flew just... between two mountains. That's nothing. Tom, Tom Cruise is bed at night. <laughs> Tom Cruise has been edging, has been edging closer <laughs> and closer to flying a helicopter underneath something for since 1991. <laughs> <laughs> Although there's some pretty good uh, helicopter stuff in the first movie, but a lot of it is set up. It's not like a helicopter mm-hmm. flying through a train tunnel. Yeah, I mean they've all. I think his. His innovativeness, James Cameron's, cannot be understated at any point in his career. Like, um, mm-hmm. in in the first one, you know, it's it's such a different thing. But like they they needed him, they needed a truck to look like it was driving, but couldn't for a, a shot. I think it was a shot of Arnie in the cab or something. So they painted a big wall, a brick wall. And then just put it on a trailer going the opposite direction, and that's the shot. And it, and then they hmm. kind of shake the truck. You know what I mean? And it's so, and it's like so old timey. Like, that's what I love is. about. Yeah. And I mean, I would like for there to be a breakdown in because I think he is still doing shit like that in Titanic to a degree. I question One, whether there's he built that a fucking boat. In, of course he is. <laughs> right, but I'm saying that's not the same to me. It's things like cheap solutions that are oh. that are just mind boggling you know like sure this movie is such a mix of like what for the time was extremely cutting edge technology and crazy stunts and things and then also shit like i love the the they show the kind of wasteland with the terminators getting up and there's that like remains of an overpass which to me clearly looks like a map painting yeah and lots of models but it's like it's beautiful. And there are t- yeah, with the explosion when you see those like palm trees bend over, I'm like, I know that that's a model intellectually. That makes me like it more. It's still effective. It's still part of a scene yeah. that ma- that like is extremely disturbing and crushing. Um and it's so fun to see those two things side by side because like in the same, you know, we have a helicopter flying under an overpass, but I was really this time struck by the scene in the elevator where they're just like trying to shoot up at the Terminator at the T-1000 on top of the elevator and it's yeah. like just the way that this is cut and how it's great. the yeah. camera moves to like you feel so close quarters it's yeah. like that that too is extremely hard yeah well but even it's like, just like good filmmaking yeah. I was think I was thinking specifically of when they're escaping out of the after after the elevator scene when they're in the car mm-hmm. and Robert Patrick with his sword hooks jumps onto mm-hmm. the car yeah and it starts with a sort of medium shot of him climbing up the car which is probably on a rear projection screen and then and it's close-ups too so it's like it's like you see his face and then you see close-ups of the claws entering the mm-hmm. getting like slicing into the car and then you cut to them busting out of the the wide busting out of the fence and it's a dummy just hanging. yes you know what i mean but yeah. it's yes. like but it's like it's like it's like so you're watching it and it's like oh my gosh insert 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 and the thing that you need to sell it is a you know a, a scarecrow full of hay, right? <laughs> There's so much of that in this movie where sure. the performances and I don't know the props the close the the choices like the moment is made up close and then you it's just really quickly sold with like one wide or something like that. like it's so smart. 
Like, it's just a very, very smart movie. Of course. It's, it's very economical, even though at the time it's so expensive. It's yeah. still creative and economical. And, you know, he doesn't have everything he actually needs to make this. He has to be creative and come up with weird little movie making solutions, well, which is why I, it's so fun as a, someone who knows a little tiny bit about movies. Very rewarding to watch and think yeah. about. I think I think this everything you're saying, I think, is true for you know this this movie is part of a tri is is part of a trifecta of movies that changed american cinema well mm -hmm. and forever and it's the abyss it's this and then these things and then jurassic park and each mm -hmm. one made made way for the next um and i think everything you say is everything you've said is is exactly true for all those movies where they're sort of on the precipice of something new but still had to you know, work these sort of new tools into what already existed. Mm -hmm. And it feels like so soon after these movies, it just quickly became the opposite where it was like, oh, we made Jurassic Park. So now it's about, it's not about, it's not about seeing if we can get computer graphics to fit in with real life situations. It's now seeing how little real of you know of real life situations we can incorporate into our computer because mm -hmm. it's about pushing yeah. that tool to the to to the absolute you know limits of whatever yeah and then and you get a lot of hubris um but i feel like i feel like there was a lot of benefit of just not knowing and also of a a pipeline that just hadn't been really created you know on Jurassic Park it was like um, there's actually a documentary coming out about the guy who, who like did, mm -hmm. who's responsible for most of the, the big effect shots. Um, and it's, it, there's so much of just like people in basements, like designing the workflow, designing the software. Um, so there's so much, you know, as, 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 as handmade as movies were before then, I feel, I feel there is still that spirit in the computer generated elements of these movies. Yeah. Where, well, you know yeah, they I mean? they were planning on so much more of it being practical. Uh -huh. And it was a case where I mean, they built things and they're just like, you know, there's the story of the T-Rex like filling with water and becoming so heavy <laughs> that the mechanics like couldn't even move it. And it's like they were working the practical as far as they possibly could. Yeah. And then the computer would come in and say well, we can do that, you know, and that it yeah. was like not a last resort, but just like it exceeded their expectations for what it could it could plausibly do without disrupting the movie. Mm -hmm. And now it's it feels like so often the practical elements <laughs> are an afterthought. Yeah. Or, well, you know, <laughs> a good a good a good comparison um, is the uh his night his uh, spike fingers you know where he turned his mm -hmm. turned his finger into a pointy nail or whatever and in the movie you know when it's whenever it's growing right it's cgi but like you can see when he stabs sarah connor at the end mm -hmm. that like the two pieces don't quite align because it's just like she moved you know mm -hmm. i was i was thinking about that too where i was there are, that's another example but like what she's wearing is yeah. helping to hide yeah. like yeah. that. And it's like, that's so, that's yeah. so cool. <laughs> but then, but then you compare that to Mike and I were talking about, uh, 
the newest Scream movie a few weeks ago, and um, we're he's, he's very upset. Um, but uh, there was a there's a shot where a kid gets stabbed in the neck, and you can just totally tell that the entire knife and the wound, everything about it is CGI. It's mm-hmm. like the, yeah. the the strip of neck that's here is now is just is generated in the, and it's yeah it's in, it's just, um, I think I think visual effects have have come a long way, in a positive way. I think for a long time it was like oh god movies are just getting, uh, you know uh, movies are bad in different ways now, but I feel like with visual effects we've gotten to a place where you can make a movie like i think gravity is a great example of like pristine visual a movie that is mm-hmm. pristine and uh, leans super almost entirely on computer graphics and still feels like a lived in space um you still you know now we're in new situations where it's like we have to make we have to make movies that are so reliant on cgi that we have to farm them out to you know different assets out to different post effects houses and those post effects houses have different amounts of uh time and resources and are able to give you a different quality so that's why you know like in the in the last avengers movie you know i think thanos will probably go down as like one of the best looking computer it's going to be a long time before anybody's like yeah that's starting to crack but then you look at like other cg characters in that movie mm-hmm. and they look like video game characters they look like neo in the third matrix movie so mm-hmm. yeah anyway rambling a little bit but it's it's um oh, shit. it's very interesting to see like the the sort of handing off between, you know, the the practicals and the mm-hmm. entirely computer generated um, elements, and uh, well, yeah, he's also mixing that I think with someone who at the time was a great storyteller. Like all of that stuff is also complemented by the fact that they're using all these things. Like I, you know, what takes this movie? This movie would have great action in it. If it if the story wasn't as good, if the characters weren't as compelling, but like the fact like that used to be James Cameron's thing, I think, is that like I love, for instance, I was like every character in this movie gets such a good introduction, like an introduction that establishes them so well. Yes. I love I mean, Linda Hamilton's introduction is obviously like iconic, but it's so important because the for the next like half hour of the movie she is sort of like this vulnerable you know like that like we see we meet her like lifting you know doing pull-ups and it's like god damn and like my mom also was like i like my mom was obsessed with her body like like i and i remember that from my childhood Mm -hmm. but like like the the next several scenes we see her in is like she's getting the crap kicked out of her. She's in a little nightgown, like with her, with her lover. She's like powerless to stop this like dream. She's like being interrogated and kind of cra- like, it's all these kind of cliches of like, you know, a very like vulnerable woman in an insane asylum. But the fact that we first see her this way, like changes 
that narrative and I think our perception of her so much. And it is something that like I think James Cameron has consistently been good at is like having very like interesting, complex like female characters in his in mm-hmm. his action movies. Um yeah. and same with I was thinking about like like John Connor's introduction and how like how believable it is that like he's a little boy who could who would be tough enough to like be involved in this situation. Definitely. And get away and it's not it doesn't to me anyway and i'll see i guess we'll see what mike thinks but like he doesn't feel precocious to me he just feels like he's been through he's seen a lot of shit (laughs) and you know (laughs) i was thinking about his character design today and just like how much he doesn't like he he feels like a movie kid in the way that i think all james cameron characters feel like in a very like he's very not ashamed to make his movie his characters movie characters in that yes it's a lot of like hammy dialogue um stuff that's like concepts that are sort of like you know cheesy if you if if i was to describe them to you but he directs with such conviction like you know james cameron is 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 conveying this stuff to his actors on set in a way that makes them believe like I believe that he's I believe that he believes his own words um there's no there's nothing about it that feels like he's like pulling back a little or trying to make things more palatable yeah. but because the because the performances have so much conviction in, in them it works and I think I think I think that's why John Connor works like he doesn't feel he really is to me like the heart of this movie and the thing that makes it work for me the most i think because there are things that he says where i kind of wonder um if it's like it's like you know is this like an adult writing a child i mean it is an Mm -hmm. adult writing a child but like in 1991 or whatever when people were seeing this movie were people feeling like this is not a real kid like does it feel you know what i mean and I don't know. I do remember though. I do remember like uh what is it? Uh, what does he say? What is what's the, the Terminator's catchphrase in this movie? Hasta la vista. Hasta la vista yes, maybe? hasta la vista. Yeah, I remember that being like a schoolyard like uh-huh. that like that joined the like kid vernacular, I think. Yeah, for sure. So totally. like You know what I mean? So and well, I it has know. to be a huge reason that so many kids, I mean, all three of us saw this movie were really scared by it and also really liked it and i do mm-hmm. think that like having a kid as like the main character essentially is a huge part of that in a world yeah, that in sure. a world where people can get hurt like that's so important to me that's one of the yeah. reasons i i have issue among other reasons but like i've i've been rewatching the harry potter movies as i've been reading the books and uh one of the problems that i've always had with the first movie is that mm-hmm. I don't feel a sense of peril for a ten-year-old, um, and it, especially in which in, you do in the books. You do, yes. So mm-hmm. good. They yes, that is very true. That was one very pleasant thing I got out of reading the first book, which was that I I absolutely believe that this is a <laughs> this is a world where where a kid can die, <laughs> where a kid can die, and the adults are responsible. Yeah, um, I think. I've been thinking a lot about like what you said about it's like it's very movie like it is both believable and also like unapologetically like 
cinematic and there's like corniness and cheesiness. And I've been thinking about this a lot recently because, again, I've been thinking about Batmans and how, you know, this narrative with like every single iteration of Batman that like this is the gritty, realistic Bat. Like every time, yeah. even fucking Tim Burton's Batman, like we just talked about, was like, this is too dark. Batman should not like that was yeah. the gritty take on Batman at the yeah. time. And you watch it now. It's like this is ridiculous. But, you know, and like I but I think what I. I will not, I swear I won't talk about this, but like what I really like about the Batman is that the movie, not the character, the movie, I think it is that it restores something that had been gone for me since Nolan, the set, the kind of like willingness to have it be a movie like like Nolan's Batman, there are great. I, I'm not the biggest fan of Nolan, and there, but I acknowledge there are great things about those movies. But it is you, you they say are, as I you roll ex- your eyes. <laughs> Sorry, there are though. No, there are like the stunts. Some of the stunts are great. I of yeah. course think Heath Ledger's Joker is great. Like all that stuff. Um, but their his films, and this applies to his films generally for me, is that they're they feel extremely self serious to me. Hmm. And I like that the new Batman, the new The Batman is unapologetically like melodramatic and like cinematic and like these characters don't have to be like real people, even though this is like arguably the like saddest (laughs) take on Batman so far. Yeah. And I like that about this movie, too, that it's like we're seeing characters who feel authentic and believable, but they're also like. You know, all of Linda Hamilton's ca- costumes are like fucking um, would make amazing Halloween costumes. Like they just like they're perfectly curated to like tell you everything you need to know about this character. And she just looks really cool. It's like she went and dressed like that before she went to assassinate that guy. Like, really? I, but I love it. I'm so glad she did. I love Arnold's costume like that. He happened like the Terminator somehow picked the coolest looking yeah biker to dress like but like the movie sells it as if like oh it will fit him that's why he it's like mm-hmm. that but i want i want more of that out of out of action movies like real again we've talked about this in terms of like nicholas cage but like realism is not the only thing the only reason like the the movies don't live or die by being realistic like i yes. like that there is corny you know there's a couple of things that i might change about the dialogue or the choices in this movie but i like that people are saying iconic huge things all the time like that's yeah. fun i mean yeah there are definitely lines like you know they're in the mil- they're in the they're in a building that's wired to blow up the building is surrounded by cops and John John Connor says, "We really got Skynet by the balls now. Let's book it." <laughs> yeah, but it's great. <laughs> yeah, well, like in the ba- in the Batman, they're they're constantly saying like you like son of a bitch. Like they say son of a bitch so many times. I'm like, I'm so happy about this. And here, like you know, I like all I I like Asta La Vista, baby. I like yeah, mm-hmm, for sure. You know, I yeah, know now why great. you cry. Like I like, oh for sure. <laughs> For it's sure. great. It's like I mean, RoboCop has a similar. I guess RoboCop is more obviously satire, but mm-hmm. the 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 cheese of that movie does not get in the way of me relating to it emotionally. Like yeah. I find RoboCop to be a like emotionally devastating movie Absolutely. because of 
Peter Weller's performance and the uh-huh. story of that character. Uh-huh. And I am moved by the Terminator having to die at the end, like go away. And I I also think that like, you know, there's some dicey uh take choices in terms of uh Edward Furlong's performance. Yes. But his reaction to having to say goodbye to the Terminator is like I could cry right now thinking about like it's it's totally it totally works for me like I completely believe how devastating this is for him um yep yeah I know I think I think (laughs) yeah I don't think Edward Furlong uh is like the greatest child actor of all time I think there's and honestly I think casting him and having him in the movie like as his voice is breaking is Mm -hmm. was is is a a big part of what makes him so real to me Mm -hmm. and i -hmm. think maybe maybe brings maybe kind of like gets me past a lot of like bad line readings uh it's just like this is it's almost like it's like yes john connor is not real yes this is a movie maybe i'm reminded of that in some ways but it's like but edward furlong is real and i feel Mm -hmm. like he the thing that he's doing right now feels real to him and so I don't know. Yeah. There's some. There's like. There's a, There's like a. There's a sloppiness. There's an imperfection to it that I think works. You know. I. I think about like the the it. Uh. The it movies. Is that what they're called? The clown. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I yeah. like. I. I like the first one, but when when I saw the second one, I hated it. And one of the reasons I hated it is they shot it like I don't know a year and a half later or something like that, and the kids had grown up a little bit, and they like changed they digitally changed their voices they digitally altered their faces so that they would look two minutes older than they did in the movie instead of a year and a half and it was just like weird guys it just let a summer have a a summer passed and they all had growth spurts end of story yeah Um, it's like we were talking about with uh with um the ai voice in 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 boba fett it's like yeah dudes like people still go to the theater like we we, we're cool we'll get over this like we're not gonna sit there the whole movie being like what their voices are deeper like like we (laughs) don't like just come on this is the thing though i feel like well hang on on. let me just let me just just, i just want i just want to close the point which is just that um you know that's obviously a sequel and they're trying to maintain continuity which is unnecessary and the movie sucks anyway Mm -hmm. but um Mm -hmm. (laughs) i i just wanted to say that i i I like i like that james cameron is in this in this scenario like he he sometimes has an eye for like a not great actor that will actually that brings something special to the movie and i think that's the case with edward furlong <clears throat> mm-hmm. the only well i was gonna say something but it's pretty off topic i was gonna i was basically Go just gonna bitch about the internet well i was gonna say if they did do that with it if they just said like they they the kids were older and they didn't say anything or they just said a summer pass or whatever somewhere on reddit or twitter somebody would be like this totally took me out of the movie this yeah. ruined well, it and then people would like latch on to it that's stupid to care about yeah that's the studio's fault well, for reading message boards they need to but stop that's the way that. studios are I know. like they just, they yeah. think those things mattered audiences yeah, but, whereas but what I we're don't... saying is that we appreciate when those things did not yeah. matter at least to people making movies yes um but the other and, thing but i, was but I say, think demonstrably talking... they don't matter from like a financial perspective there's never been a movie that failed because of 
supposed plot holes, you know? Like, right. nobody cares about that with Star Wars. Nobody <coughs> cares about Nolan. that. <coughs> Christopher Nolan. But that's not, again, that's not why, you know? That's no, not the, why that. No, no, no. I'm not talking about Tenet. I'm talking about, like, The Dark Knight, which was, like, a huge, huge hit, but just completely full of plot holes, which is fine. Yeah, it was a big exactly. Hit. Like, nothing, <laughs> like, you know, when I go see a time travel movie, I'm like, okay. I, time travel I, is a plot hole. <laughs> Yeah, I will yeah. only start to think about that shit if the movie's bad. Like, yeah, but yeah, right. I don't, I don't care. Like, it's, it's just like financially, like, yeah, there's guys on the internet who will, who will complain and they suck, but like, it doesn't actually, it's, a movie has never like lived or died by shit like that. Yeah. You know? Um, I think that this is something we've talked about several times, but this is the, in like 1990, forward i guess 1991 forward this is right when you're seeing the thing we've talked about constantly when we talk about new movies is business majors taking over as opposed to people mm-hmm. who at least at some point in their life had an interest in films and got <laughs> into the industry for that reason um because to a business major it's like it doesn't they don't even really have a sense of like i appreciated i mean and i'm not saying that business majors are like bad soulless people but in yeah, terms my of wife's like the a business, industry, business major bud as as is mine uh so um if you enter the industry looking at, at it solely as a vehicle to make money, you don't you don't really have the same appreciation of films that people like us do, where it's like we kind of like to see the strings sometimes. or And, and it almost mm-hmm. makes the movie mean more to us because, you know, the CGI wasn't, I don't know, perfect at its time. Or they chose practical right. over something that did look better. Um, right. But yeah. uh, anyhow, I trust I trust some and I trust somebody who cares about movies to know when it's okay to do that, you know, to, to yeah. know, to know when it's okay not to, to have a giant splashy CGI, whatever, you know what I mean? Like to yeah. know that like, Oh, at this point the audience is here. And so if there's a freaking rope in the background, it's all right. Yeah. Well, so, it's, it's this... why I hate the, like, I mean, it's, it's inc- to me like the Disney live action remakes. So much of those movies is devoted to addressing like BuzzFeed listicles of like plot points that don't make sense. And they are like almost universally terrible. And also, I think it in no matter how much money they make destined to be forgotten. Like, yeah, I don't think kids already. Yeah, yeah. I do not. The kids are kids, you know, the. The the live action Lion King is not going to have the impact on children that the animated Lion King had you think, on children yeah. because you think, its primary goal is completely different. And do you yeah. think they're selling plush toys of the you know motion captured <laughs> Nala at Disneyland? No, they're they're the cartoon versions. Like I get, yeah. I mean yeah. may, may, maybe somewhere you can get them, but I'm just saying like the stuff that that is still that's still selling isn't mm-hmm. you know like it's like the you know lion king merchandise if if that's how i'm you know uh measuring this shit lion king mer- merchandise has surely been selling uh consistently to some degree you know mm-hmm. since 1994 probably still is to some degree you know i don't know how much lion king's bringing in every year but i'm sure it's making money and i would not be surprised at all if there was like a slight spike in from you know the 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 new movie and then it just immediately died down and old reliable mm-hmm. still going like yeah. I, mm-hmm. 
I, I don't know. I can't imagine. I can. Can you imagine being a parent and being like, "All right, kids, I'm gonna sit down. I'm gonna I'm gonna buy you the the new Lion King for you to watch twenty times a day for the next <laughs> yeah. six months." It's just like no way. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I I think aren't they I also think, like two hours? Like, are they even? They're long. They're all long. Yeah. I, I the Disney ones are like eighty eight minutes. There's, there's, a, we could have a whole thing. Uh, we could have a, a year long podcast about everything you know wrong with yeah. Disney and 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 whatnot. But I, I think, I think the worst thing that they do, and everybody, all studios, everybody making who's in charge of greenlighting big movies right now, the absolute worst thing, and it's and and you know Disney's the most responsible because they make the most movies, but um, mm-hmm. is listening to to the audience. Yes. It yeah. should never have been a dialogue. I think it's it's truly unfortunate. You know, I, I still every fucking day I read um, some uh, announcement of something that's coming out, and it and and there's there's some there's some reference to a cultural dialogue that's happening and why this movie needs to exist right now. It's because people are are complaining about or, or not complaining about, but just like people are interested in in. I don't know. I don't know what, but you you understand what I'm saying. It's just it's yeah. mm-hmm. it's it's exhausting too because it's like, you know, I know the world is is finally stop st- has finally stopped talking about the Last Jedi, but um, I think and 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 Kit and I have very different opinions on that movie, but I think we both agree that neither of us agree with the reasons that most people don't like that movie, right? And th- all of those people are unaware of the fact that the it's the studio's fault, but the all of those people are unaware that the that it's their fault that uh, it's it's, <laughs> rise it's their complaint. The rise of Skywalker. It's it's yeah. it's 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 cowardly execs. It's cowardly directors and producers. J.J. Abrams will never be forgiven in my book, um, but it's. It's one hundred percent because they chose to listen to people, and that's yeah, why you I, get yeah, Rise of Skywalker. They won't listen to us when we say "don't listen to us." <laughs> yeah, I utterly, yeah. I utterly despise fifty percent of the Last Jedi, and I am fine with Ryan, what's his name, not making the next one. But I one hundred percent agree that making the finale of that trilogy entirely a response to people's reaction to the second one is one of the worst things to, to <laughs> ever happen in movies. <laughs> like, it drives it me insane. Is, and it's so obvious sitting there watching it. And I say that, remember, Rise of Skywalker is my favorite movie. I know, but, sure, I know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's true, officially, yeah. But it, but it is, yeah, it is only in spite. It's honestly... I think it's because they do a couple, it's the couple of things they do in the movie that I didn't fully expect them to do that, that made are good. Me like those it. are the good, those are the yeah. good things. No, yeah. I, uh, it's, it's guys, not to be controlling <laughs> yeah. or to try to direct the conversation elsewhere, but we do have Terminator 2 on a platter in front of I us. I just, I just think, I just, I think just, just capping it off with saying that like it's the, the same thing that was true about audiences. 30 years ago when Terminator 2 came out mm-hmm. is true today, regardless of whether the internet exists. And that is, we want what we don't expect. And well, we and, and, and before that, we don't know what we want. 
Yeah. I think an alternative I've... take on this triple even is like the two movies we've watched so far are movies that are sequels. They're part of a franchise, but they 100% stand alone mm-hmm. and they 100% feel like new things. Like, I think when people saw Terminator 2, they recognize like, holy shit, I've never seen a movie like this before. Well, and that's obviously yeah. what people thought with Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah. There's and a reason that, actually, that exists other than like, well, that would be financially viable. He's making a <laughs> sequel to, I mean, Terminator 1 was definitely a hit, but like, it's a low budget horror movie. Yes. Like, it, it is actually a horror movie. And yeah. this this is is a big blockbuster action movie with cutting edge special effects. This is a popcorn mm-hmm. movie in, in ways that I think the first Terminator movie is only attempting and succeeding well, and in a lot of ways. It's, I think so this kind of what what both of you guys have kind of just said ties into a note that I had that I wrote down after I had finished the movie this time. But adding to it, um, he did with Terminator one uh, what he did with Alien, which Alien was not mm-hmm. his film, but Aliens is very similar to Terminator two in sure. terms of how the yes. sequel approaches the original and yeah. how you have your horror movie, which was a big hit, big cultural phenomenon, both Terminator and uh, alien and then it's like well how do we make a sequel to this because and i think something people i think even people our age but definitely people younger than us like might not know or remember is that until iron man i guess i don't know uh, until marvel came along like sequels were usually scoffed at and they had a reputation for always being worse and there was it was rare that a sequel would like outgross mm-hmm. the well, first film or like to be, be more yeah. successful then I agree, and I think a, a a a big part of that is that the and and to some degree it's still kind of true. But I think the, what this movie, what this movie and Aliens does that other sequels at the time weren't doing was oh let's make it like a different genre. Let's let's yeah. let's go in a completely different like let's take let's we we know there's some elements in here that make this movie a Terminator movie or an alien movie like we have to have aliens in it we have to have Terminators in it but like we can do we don't have it does it it's a completely different movie whereas I feel that sequels largely were let's do the exact same thing again right and they yeah. still and well, so- like we still do that to some deg- to some degree too I think I think I think every bad sequel is is literally just attempting to be a carbon copy of the original. Yeah. And so what I actually wrote when I finished this last night was um, it's a sequel, but it's wildly different from the first movie mm-hmm. going so far as to have the antagonist of the first movie become yes. basically the protagonist of the second. So film. awesome. It's great. Yeah, it's that's genius. Like I'm not one to heap praise on uh, James Cameron, particularly after Avatar, which I view as having killed film. Uh, but <laughs> like, uh, it, it isn't, that is, it is brilliant. Like the, what his, his little formula that he worked with aliens and that he worked with T2, I think it's, it's, it was extremely successful. I mean, it was really good. And you can't follow it. I think that what, what yes. bothers me about sequels now and franchises and so forth is, I, and we've talked about it a thousand times. They, they tease the next film. They're, they're never telling you the full, they're never telling you, know, you don't feel like you're getting a full story. It's hard mm-hmm. to feel totally engrossed in a film when it has to have all this either context before context after, sure. you know, you already know because you read the movie news online that there's four sequels that have been greenlit. That'll be a coming out this decade or whatever. Yeah. So it's like there, you know, you're only going to get like a chapter of a book as opposed to a full 
hearty story. Whereas with T2, uh, like it's a it's a full and complete story that you don't yep. even, like none of us saw the first movie before we saw this. And yet we all loved it. Uh, and seeing the first one and appreciated my or uh, increased my appreciation of I'm like, I'm yeah. jealous of my mom for getting to yeah. s- for getting to experience that that turn. Like that must have been so fun to go yeah. in oh, expecting sure. like bad well, guy Terminator again, and he's like he's the, he's nice now. That's awesome. I would have <laughs> loved that. I was yeah. I was I was paying closer attention uh, because I was thinking about that when watching today, and I was looking at. I think it's actually very interesting the way they introduce those characters in this movie because he he does this. It's the same as the first movie. The Terminator shows up. Yep. He uh-huh. he goes up Crouching to a naked. bunch of yeah. <laughs> He goes up to a bunch of douchebags and says, I need your clothes and your whatever. And um, he does the exact same thing. They're assholes to him. The only thing that's different is that he doesn't kill them. Or at least mm-hmm. we don't. We assume he doesn't kill them. Um, and then I think I actually because I was wondering if this was a good move or not. But I think him walking out. And the movie become out of the bar and the movie getting just a little bit more, a little self-aware and playing, uh, what was the rock song? Bad to the Is Bone. Is it Bad to the Bone? Bad mm-hmm. to the Bone, yeah. To me, that feels like, and, and just like, just pausing to, pausing to acknowledge that this is a cool guy, not a bad guy, is I think a very good. Uh, With a song about being bad. Yeah, like Bingo. it's it's very it is. It's but he really... doesn't even have bones. Whoa! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which so he's so he's not bad. There if you he's go. Bad to the bone. He's not we bad. It's if you very read into smart. It, <laughs> very smart. Yeah. yeah, it's like I think the problem is is that like like today the Terminator Terminator Two would come out and it would be like okay now every movie we need to make the bad guy the good guy which is what we're doing anyway but like like, (laughs) it's like no the point was that they came up with a creative take on this on this story i think it's also that he's just he's a robot he's mass produced so it's not the same robot from the first movie right yeah so but 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 that's an interesting thing to play with too that we feel that he is and even it's like Oh yeah, like I just mean like when they make Maleficent, it's not like it's a different Maleficent. Right. That's actually it's pretty. It's pretty good. crazy too that like this movie's also like <laughs> it's very. It has like a pretty strong like anti gun like anti like for a movie of, where a guy is just like it's just guys shooting increasingly bigger guns. There, you know, the scene of the kids it, like, and I don't find that stuff super corny. I'm like, I think that the uh, movie, yeah. the the story, kind of bears out the idea that like, we can't like make the world better by like increasing <laughs> the yeah. amount of vi- like it aligns in a in a way that like Avatar didn't work in this regard. Like Avatar's environmental message just like ruin almost ruins the movie in a way. Here it's like. The events of the movie, the 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 like visceral fear of like nuclear weapons that yeah. it shows you, like all lines up with the story in a very convincing way. Yep. Um, the idea that like what the Terminator needs to do in order to sa- in order to like accomplish his directive is sacrifice himself not just destroy as much shit as possible like yeah it's or and linda hamilton like stopping her from killing that and also it goes very hard i mean this is a very r-rated movie in terms of like 
the ideas it grapples with, like, you know, there's a little, our heroine is about to, like, shoot a guy in front of his kid. Yeah. Right. Like, she really wants to. She's even, like, calling the wife a bitch, which seems, like, completely unnecessary. <laughs> <laughs> well, to, 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 to both your points, though, like, I think, and, and to my earlier point about, you know, this being, like, the rated R movie for kids is that you have a a child tell everybody who's important in the movie not to kill anybody right yeah you know and it and it's it's such a it's a fun thing that they keep coming back to like it's mm-hmm. it it makes the movie better uh you know he'll live great like one of my favorite moments yeah. in in any movie ever um just the the counter the like the casualties counter at the after he like just destroys all those cop cars <laughs> oh, just 0.0, yeah. 0. <laughs> it's 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 awesome but you still get the 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 same sort of thrill in fact i think the thrill is even greater because mm-hmm. because uh, you know collateral damage kind of does matter in this movie whereas mm-hmm. i think a lot of movies that are aping it it doesn't Including other Terminator sequels, of which yeah. there are four. Well, it's kind of interesting that they integrate, like, the, you know, obviously, like, both DC and Marvel have been just grappling with the idea of, like, how, what do we do about collateral damage? And it's, like, ruining the films, basically. Like, here, they managed to integrate that in a way that is, like, funny and like doesn't take mm-hmm. over the entire movie and fits within the world and fits within the story and the message like it's just like again and that is a difference i think in the amount of attention paid to fan reaction probably as well sorry mike what were you gonna say no that's well i was gonna say something else but that makes me think of a point i was thinking about while you mm-hmm. was talking as well that it works in this movie and it does not seem cheesy to me in this movie because this movie is uh I think it's I think it's a, maybe a critique of of weaponry or guns, but I think it's also a, it's overall you, it's a movie that's skeptical of kind of how we think about technology. That, right. You know, so yeah. I, I think like just one level up from guns and weapons is like kind of this. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole thing with artificial intelligence and everything. But um, I think that it, this movie can do that where it's like he just like, you know, shoots a whole parking lot full of police cars <laughs> and police are right. And then it's, you know, kill zero zero. And you're like, okay, like that's fine. It works in this movie. But I think if every action movie, perhaps with the interest of trying to get kids in the box office grosses mm-hmm. and like if every R rated movie started to do that without any critique of technology or weaponry all already awful. in their story, at a point it starts to kind of feel like dry humping, like like which is how i feel with like violence in a lot of the superhero movies where like they really go out of their like and it, it i don't see as many new ones as you guys do but it sounds like maybe now it's getting even worse we're like it's like well we're supposed to think of these people as heroes so we can't have them blow up half the world just because it looks <laughs> cool or whatever happens in the, the avengers and stuff but like um yeah like if that's not already part of your story and your themes then it just seems like you're doing it for to get that PG-13 rating or just to like avoid the internet, oh, sure. you know, well, controversy or something. Rated R movies used to make money, so it didn't matter, you know? Yeah. I mean, is, it, I is, think... it, is R still a hard, is that, it, it's tricky yes. for movies it's, commercially? It's better now. I mean, honestly, there, okay. um, I mean, movies like, uh, like, like Deadpool have been like helpful to the R okay. rating. Um, I mean, the. Wonderful. 
<laughs> yeah. But I mean, like, the most recent Matrix movie was horrible, but it was R-rated. Um, was it and, really? Uh-huh. And, Why? Because uh, it's... I don't know. For the same reason, the first one is already. I mean, I've I've always thought. I don't that understand why violence. It's a, yeah, it's a. You so, can it's say a, fuck once, but if you say it twice, that's an R, buddy. I don't know. I haven't seen the Resurrection, so I don't know. No, it. Um, but there. Uh, I mean, it's always been a soft R. I think uh, with the Matrix movies, mm. but I mean, you've got like, like Logan was rated R, and yeah. Joker was rated R. All these are comic book movies. I the guess. first Matrix was controversial for violence, but it had a lot to do with Columbine. Yeah. Hmm. And they're wearing like coats and things. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, and it came yeah. out it came out one month before that. Oh, that's right. You got the King, the Kingsman movies are all rated R. Um Well, those are yeah. okay. I think those are really violent. Like They are. But I'm just like, say, I'm just saying those that they're getting they're getting made, I think. Yeah. Like like we're getting more big movies that are R rated again. To some degree. Is it Not, rated R? Definitely. It was, yeah. Yeah. And that was a big movie, the first one. It's like forty million. Um, the, okay, so the second half of my thought, though, about just how this approaches sequels, um, I guess I already touched on it just with that whole thing about sequels used to have this idea, or the audience had this idea that sequels were not going to be as good, that they were going to be a cheap cash grab. But then the, like, the ones that people would always point to was Godfather Part Two and Terminator mm-hmm. 2. And in the last decade, yeah. that's totally not because, like, the narrative has completely changed on sequels. Right. Um but uh, anyhow, I just really appreciate that about Terminator 2. And in watching this, I was just like, that's that is genius. Like, that is brilliant the way he was able to mm-hmm. take already beloved movies, both with Alien and then with Terminator, and then in almost the same formula, make these sequels to them that are just unimpeachable. However, unfortunately for those franchises, very hard to follow up. So I know that there have been well, like no. a thousand Terminator Be- movies, but yeah, like, and they haven't been able to. That's the thing. They don't, they're all lacking that one simple thing that james cameron had which was oh i gotta do something i have to do a different thing yeah to make that to make this work they are all trying to remake terminator 2 well that's not true the third one is absolutely a remake of terminator 2 um okay and then the fourth one the fourth one is actually the best one uh of of the sequels i i i like it and then and then after that, it's like, oh, well, instead of making a sequel to Terminator 2, let's make a sequel to Terminator 1 and erase all the other movies. And but it's also still a remake of Terminator 2. It's just like a more direct remake. <laughs> Is of that Terminator the one with 2. the lady Terminator? No, that's Dark Fate. Oh, that's the most recent. That's, one. And then that's, that's also, also Terminator 2. Absolutely. So the only one that's not really <laughs> Terminator 2 is Terminator 4. And that's probably why I like terminator 4 at least better than all the other sequels okay so and i yeah my aware i have seen none of them uh the sequel well the the i guess film three and onward mm-hmm. um oh you never saw but, the, the you never saw the third matrix or sorry the third the, terminator no I'm i just, never that's, did that, I'm, I'm surprised because that's like 2003 so i feel like you would have right i was still going to most yeah. stuff yeah no, but I was going to say my impression as an outsider is that the Sarah Connor TV show was actually like the most well received. Yeah, people, people of like all the that. Terminator Two follow ups. People like um, that. I tried watching yeah. it, and I couldn't get into it, but uh, but people did like it for its. I know. think I even watched like a couple of episodes of that. Yeah, I remember Summer Summer Glau played the the Terminator. Yeah, I remember. And uh, what's her name is Sarah Connor was like good casting, mm-hmm. definitely. 
Maybe I'll do a triple that is uh, the last three oh, Terminator God. sequels. <laughs> it's funny because I feel like, I mean, I haven't seen the Lady Terminator, okay. but I feel like if you pulled up any given scene, you would realize that it's a Terminator 2 remake immediately. <laughs> like yeah. any mm-hmm. scene from that movie, if you plucked it out, you'd be like, oh, they're in a truck and someone's got someone's been shot in the shoulder or whatever the fuck. Like, <laughs> It's really, um, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. And it's like, who are you? It's, there's such a disconnect between like what studios think they're doing and what they sh- what actually makes sense for them to do, because it's like, who is this for, guys? Like Terminator, Terminator 2 fans are f- fucking 30 to 50 years old. You know, they're not children. Uh, yeah. So why why are you making the same movie again? Why don't you make? They just make a good movie. and Well, and... so if the strategy Cameron used was to really like throw you a curveball with the genres, what they should do is make like a very romantic robot from the future. Film. Well, like, see, that's the know. thing. So they, they do have curveballs. The curveball <laughs> is like, oh, now it's a now the Terminator is a woman or now John oh, okay. Con now John now in, in the most recent one, they they CGI John Connor and young Arnold Schwarzenegger and he kills him in the first five minutes, and then they introduce a new John Connor, and she's a, a Latina chick, and that's okay. that's the <laughs> so identity like, curveballs as opposed to genre. Yeah, those but. are the curveballs we're getting, and right. it's like yeah, I mean, it's uh, yeah. You know, though, I think it's actually more likely that robots in the future will be rep- will will resemble females. It seems like sex bots is like the you know in terms of in terms of robots that actually look human as yeah. opposed to like robots that like sweep a floor or something like yeah this uh, does seem like a thing that you would have done a lot of research into well yeah sex bot i mean every robot <laughs> i own is a sex bot a sex i do bot, not own a single male sex, so i'm just i'm thinking like yeah most of the robots in the future are probably if they look like humans at all they're going to look like human I'm just, women what so. i'm just what picturing a lot of about... like i'm just picturing a lot of just really janky looking robots with holes in them just gliding around your house like a cardboard box just like there's a movie uh, out there's a there's a movie there's a movie in my brain about a robot uprising in your house (laughs) that there you go that would be a perfect terminator sequel yeah romantic terminator would be so awesome like i and like part of why i'm like i'm i think about the twist like why i would have loved to experience that twist if i had been an adult woman who'd seen terminator one in theaters or a teenager or whatever, seeing Terminator 1 in theaters and then went to see Terminator 2 in theaters, I 100% would have been in love with Arnold Schwarzenegger in that movie. Like, yeah. be just like, oh, he's nice now and he's like sad about like having to die. <laughs> like, I, totally. Like, that would have been the best case scenario for me de- developing a crush on Arnold Schnor- Schwarzenegger. And yeah. like, Schnorts? Remi- <laughs> no, that would have been, I, that would have been awesome. And they should, like, but not in a silly way. I'm, now I'm going to think about that all the time. Like, how would what you is, do that? What do you call an Arnold Schwarzenegger who never kicked his cocaine habit? <laughs> Sno- Snortzenegger? <laughs> did he do coke? I'm oh, sure. I assume he did. He was yeah. alive. You know what I also coke. thought, speaking of Arnold, when he shows up and he's walking naked through that bar, it really scared me that his body is like sub-Hemsworth. Isn't that crazy? He's small. Crazy. I never noticed it because he's always been like huge to me. But then I, you know, it's not even it's not even the Hemsworth really. It's the it's the Rock. I think the Rock is so much bigger than all those guys were, and we didn't even realize it. 
and you go and this is like we 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 watched Brandon and I uh my weightlifting partner we watched um Terminator 2 like last summer and we were both just like holy shit he's small like he's chiseled he looks incredible he's like 40 years old but he is he is a small man by like big man it was but i don't but i don't think i mean he's he's also like he's small for arnold yes no but he's still like this is like arnold still would like show up in like twins or or jingle all the way or junior or whatever and you'd be like okay i'm never gonna believe that this is a normal guy like there's no way but in this (laughs) i think he got bigger afterwards yeah okay because like our expectations for action movie guys like he's barely buff enough to be like the side man in an avengers (laughs) you know movie now it's it's Mm -hmm. oh we cut like that's how buff jeremy renner has to be almost (laughs) no you're right in these movies it's crazy yeah, I think he's 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 definitely like bigger before and after this movie, like no doubt. He is. This yeah. is like I had a roommate great, in college who it's used great. to watch Pumping Iron all the time, and I it's thought great. like he looked bigger in Pumping Iron than Abs- he does. In Terminator oh, but he's 2. competing at that time, so he, absolutely, yeah. he's pro- so he, probably even Terminator One. He's bigger. That also 100%. might be why I could yeah. I could at least envision a world in which I had a crush on him from this movie yeah. because he looks slightly more like a normal human man yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in this than he does in anything else. I agree. And we should talk about him in this. I was, I, I think a lot about, because Arnold Schwarzenegger, I think like the majority report on Arnold Schwarzenegger is that he is a bad actor. He's great who, in this. Who, who was also, agreed, who was also just hap- just got to be the biggest movie star of all time for 15 years straight. But it's like, I was thinking about acting and I don't know a lot about acting. Kit knows way more than I do. But like, I think there is something about being able to to not do anything. One hundred percent. OK, because that that's so I mean, that's that I would think that would be really, really hard to to suspend your humanity for an mm-hmm. entire for for entire scenes. And then and then only. To only bring it back in like very small ways, yes, subtly, but more and more over the course of the movie, yes, because he's because they established at the beginning of the movie that he's a learning machine, so we have to show him learn how to be human, but it has to happen very subtly, and that all that's that's his arc is these little like side smiles and and brief moments with John Connor, and then it culminates to I know now why you cry, and it completely sells. Yeah. I yeah. Well, I and, mean, and great. the idea I think that's also we point. tend to like divorce physicality from being a part of acting. And like I love in this movie yeah. the way that he grabs people all the time. Like yes. like not just the baby is like the funniest that's, one. I was going to say that. But when he's helping John Connor down the ladder into that like bunker with all the weapons, the way that he helps him off the ladder is he just like grabs him by the shirt and yeah. sets him down. And just like that's also acting or like walking down a ho- the way that he I mean, to try to put me replace Arnold Schwarzenegger with me and have me take a gun out of a box of roses. It's not going to look that cool. Yeah, like, <laughs> with me doing it, I would. Like, I would like to see it though. <laughs> like that's acting. You can't just stick sunglasses on me and yeah. have you know. <laughs> yeah, and he's get the he's, same he's aware. I think I think part of it has comes from 
you know, his bodybuilding building career and spending mm-hmm. so much time understanding how to look good on camera, how to look cool. Yes. You know, how to I, yes. and 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 obviously, you know, I don't want to take anything away from James Cameron and and his vision, but I just I think that yeah, knowing cuz they talk about him pumping iron, which is a great documentary, but he talks mm-hmm. about just like he brought all of these new like poses to bodybuilding and that's one of the reasons that he want i mean he was obviously bigger but like he knew how to pose in new and interesting ways and also to develop muscles for those poses and i think just like having having that stuff deeply ingrained like i think that's gonna help i think that's i think i think he knows i think he knows exactly how to turn his head for camera so that it's like at the perfect angle because his entire career has been being a statue that's interesting yeah and mm-hmm. model like modeling is a skill like yes you know conveying tell doing, me about it being <laughs> being still and like you ever i feel that everyone can tell the difference between like an expression that is like conveying something versus not yeah. and like even when he's being a robot like remember when he goes dead for instance they take out the chip Mm-hmm. And he loses power and John Connor's like waving his hand or snapping in front of his eyes. Mm-hmm. Like we knew before John Connor snapped in front of his eyes that he lo- that he wasn't there anymore. Like that's fucking acting. God damn it. Like I can't do that. <laughs> you know? And, this, and I think I think the second half to his acting ability is uh is that he is funny. Is that he can be funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I think there is a a small amount of subtle humor with the you know it's like when when he picks up the minigun and John Connor says uh you know that's totally you or whatever and just the mm-hmm. the like crooked smile he gives him like that that's funny that's a funny a funny person gives that can 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 deliver that I think mm-hmm. yeah or trust me you know when he says trust me when he says when yeah. John Connor says you said you wouldn't kill anybody and he says trust it's great mm-hmm. yeah. it's it's funny it's yeah. it's 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 not like a it's not a big swing it's not he's not making a big joke but it's definitely like a um a sense of control and timing in a comedic And there's sense. a different way to say that line where it doesn't come across funny at all Yeah there's a oh, way to yeah. say sure. that line where it comes across that he's going to blow a bunch of people away like yeah. you know or, like or, or he's just like <laughs> You know, or it's like super serious, you know, yeah. or actually robotic. So that's the other thing is it's like his whole thing is that he's a robot and he acts like a robot. But it's the moments it's the moments that he's not acting like a robot that are like the like the biggest sort of acting beats for him in the movie. And they mm-hmm. all they all land. We mentioned it earlier, but the uh, post-apocalyptic wasteland at the beginning of the film is gorgeous uh, I know that a lot of that kind of comes out of the first Terminator, but I also feel like there's this genre of like 80s and 90s movies uh, that are it's like that that wasteland almost is like a, a became a genre in its own. A lot of them are like straight to video and stuff, but just these like kind of apocalyptic like sci fi movies. Uh, I feel like just grow straight out of that that uh, aesthetic or whatever. Um, oh, it's so beautiful. Yeah, it was cool. And like with the lasers and the smoke and everything. The color um, of everything in this movie is so good too. Like that, yeah, that is was where it stands out. But an- Another one of my, no- actually one of my next notes um, is that everything looks great in this movie. Like it's bright outside. It's dark out. Like when it's dark outside, when uh, the- all the interiors look really good. Like the cinematography in this movie is really 
good. Everything looks, you know, crisp, but still like, I mean, it's it was shot on film, so it still looks filmic or whatever. It um, feels it but... feels too like uh it has it has an affinity I think especially the nighttime scenes it has a certain affinity to the first movie where it doesn't mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. It, there's a lot more daytime stuff in this one than is in the first movie but I think um especially the nighttime just like really harsh kind of blue light um just yeah. a lot of that it just felt it felt like yeah these these look like they obviously one is you know cost about 95 million dollars more than the other but <laughs> they both they both look like they belong together to me so yeah um let's see i think the mall sequence is possibly my favorite even though i think there's like four scenes in this movie or sequences i guess in this movie that are just all-time classics um I think it's partially the arcade and the mall nostalgia, but I also think the scene Kit's talked about a couple times now, we're just like, they're in those back hallways. And I mean, we know because we know that T-1000 is the bad guy, but I did, I did think about that this time that like, if you maybe had seen the first film, but you hadn't seen the trailer for this one, you could possibly have gone to see Terminator 2 still thinking, you know, I you know. I mean, I dress, s- and T one thousand is dressed as a police officer, so that's right. kind of signals like he's there to protect totally. or whatever. Um, I certainly serve, serve and protect on the side of his car. Yeah, they have yeah. him say to the mom like, "Don't worry about that guy." Like, and he's yeah. nice. He's, I mean, sort of. Yeah, sort of nice. I mean, yeah, he looks clean cut. He's, you know, he's not vicious really until that hallway scene. And I, I he's think also- that that whole thing where he's, he's like going small slow motion compared to Arnold. He's like he's yeah. kind of slim. Yeah, that's true. Uh, he's not wearing sunglasses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or yeah, or like he's not bad yeah, to the bone. Biker gear. Yeah, <laughs> although he does wear sunglasses and leather later in the movie. So, yeah, um, uh, the the whole is it is it the Los Angeles River? Is that what that's called? Where they're in yeah the L A River, yeah sewers and alleyways and stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. Like the shot, I mean, yeah. the shotgun, spinning the shotgun. It's probably oh. yeah. One of the my so early, good. One of the it's probably at that time when I first saw that movie, it's probably the absolute coolest thing I've ever seen. And I still yeah, I, just I'm like, gonna watch it again. Oh my god, it's so good. It's so great. So great. I was um, thinking about that scene, like it surprised me how early it happens in the movie on this watch, and I was realizing like, oh, it's because we're still supposed to be kind of like like doubtful of like <laughs> what the Terminators and like what the original Terminators uh, intentions are, I think. Yeah. And like because it's like, I, I I think that's that's my favorite action sequence in the movie. And it's like the first one, basically. Yeah. Um, and it's pretty early. But yeah, I think it's because we're like, oh, shit. Like, it's like establishing like what this guy's new mission is. New yeah. directive. Yeah. And yeah, that's when I whenever I like remember this movie, that's kind of the one I think of. And I had the same feeling rewatching it this time, like. It's like, oh, I guess so. Like, what comes after this? Because I, I didn't remember that this movie is like two hours twenty minutes, and so I was like, after this chase, I know it's so long. It's like I remember that there's the thing at the Cyberdyne building, but mm-hmm. I was like, what else is it? But really, like, so right after that chase, the Los Angeles River thing, uh, there's a little bit of introducing um, Sarah Sarah Connor, um, and then like that that whole hospital breakout is really good. That was actually yeah. I wrote a lot of notes. It's um, amazing. I think and I the couldn't way... remember. I couldn't remember how she gets out of the hospital. Like I was like, I know she yeah. gets out, but I can't remember how. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So like, like oh, the yeah, way that they set that the hospital up, I feel like they they it's really good. Like 
it gives you just enough of like here's the setting so that you kind of have a, a sense of the place but you don't really know like all the ins and outs of how she would escape um so i found that like to i felt like that made it a little more engaging like how is she going to get out of here and she mm-hmm. you know because there's all those like gates where there's like a security guard and she yeah. has to find a way to get through and um the the one thing that drags a bit is the desert stuff uh where they go to kind of arm up to that kind of place more out in like remote California or something um but i thought it was i thought it was kind of a a drag but when i was thinking about it um i think that if the movie didn't really come to a stop after mm-hmm. all of those scenes i think if it just went straight into the cyberdyne stuff you might get exhausted and you might it not really just feel just be chasing yeah, and and I think it wouldn't give you like I think if you don't get time to like get a little bored, uh, which I mean it's not like it was that boring, but just compared to like you know a, a semi blasting through the the, mm-hmm. the alley. Um, I think it's important for the Terminator's character development. That, yeah, there's some good story, too. there's some good character stuff in there, so it's totally necessary. But just in terms of like action set pieces, it it certainly is the boring part of the film. Uh, but but I was also like I think that if you don't have that. Not only would you be missing the character and stuff, but like, mm-hmm. I think if you don't stop, then I think you're just not going to appreciate the Cyberdyne and then the Steel Mill, which all of that just goes like, that's like See? 40 minutes of action. Yeah, um, yeah, I do. I kind of agree with you about the Cyberdyne stuff, but I also, mm. like, I love, uh, I love them breaking in and I love him shooting the cop cars. And it's really only a few moments that like yeah. not a lot is going on. And I love him. I love them breaking out past the police barricade and him just like shooting yeah. cops with ca- gas canisters. And stuff. No, just like, I, I you're like, not dead, like but the... you're going to have you're going to have back pain for the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love the Cyberdyne sequence oh, okay. uh, and everything. I was saying that the desert scene before that, I think oh, it for puts sure. the brakes on the movie. But then, I think if it didn't it do that, then I think you would get to the Cyberdyne set piece and just be like, Ex- like maybe too tired to like. Yeah, so, it like needs, you might start yeah. to kind of get out of it. Yeah, it needs to breathe. Um, it needs to breathe. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Can I say um, one thing about the hospital scene? Yeah. Yes. Like the hospital breakout. So uh-huh. I thought. So one of my few critiques of this movie is that the the orderly licking her face is overkill, and yeah. it's both because it's just like womp womp. That's so stupid. I thought that um, too. But it's also because what he does next, when he's just dragging his stick across their, uh, the like cells yeah is so much more of a of a dick move like it does such a better job of realistically establishing what a fucking prick this guy is yeah that he's just like disturbing their sleep for no fucking reason like that's uh, that just like compounds how much i don't like the face lick yeah the face and lick i really mean, creeped me out when i was a kid but i remember that very it's vividly. fucking creepy that's for sure yeah and like you know the 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 nightstick is is phallic enough for us to like infer what this what this <laughs> sure, dude is yeah. into, yeah, I definitely thought of uh, Buck from Kill Bill. Um, yep. The uh, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I guess pretty much. I would say ninety percent of my notes are this is so cool, this is awesome. Yep. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, the, the hospital breakout. Like, if we had another hour or two, like, I felt just. The way that whole thing was organized really impressed me this time yeah. around. Um, the the way part, I mean, up. and Linda Hamilton, when she when he comes in and she's just like, you've just seen her. It really it really is devastating, even knowing that she's wrong about who he is, that like 
because she's just like the toughest bitch on the planet. She has this planned so perfectly and she just all hope immediately leaves yeah. her when he walks in and it does a really good job. Again, it's almost more interesting, I think, with no T1. It's really like, there's yeah. so much backstory in that one moment. <laughs> yeah. It's well, really the way the- she screams. Yeah, it's like the, she's it's amazing. Like, it's like the only moment where we see her. It's like the closest we see to her T1 character because there's such a change yeah. between yeah. T1 and T2 and her character. And like all of a yeah, sudden she's kind of that like scared, defenseless girl again. Yeah. Um. Okay. That's probably most of what we need to get to. Everything else we've kind of touched on. Oh, one other thing. The liquid nitrogen. So when T T one thousand gets frozen mm-hmm. with the liquid nitrogen, then Arnie shoots him and he shatters, and then like you know he slowly combine comes back together. Like that, as a kid watching this, was like liquid nitrogen. Like first of all, that scene is awesome. That whole thing is just so cool, and like the way they did it. I was I watched like a behind the scenes thing years ago, and they talked about how they actually. I think they used like mercury on like a metal sheet to they have did. those little globs. Yeah, like rejoining, which is really cool. Um, but as a kid that I think the whole reason that every nineties kid knew like liquid nitrogen would yeah. freeze things and cause it to shatter was because like, like it's like when you're a kid and like quicksand is kind of like yeah. a thing that everybody talks about. It's like liquid nitrogen became a thing that everybody was like, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, you know. And it's really scary. To, like the, the, yeah. like it really scares me that he can, even that is just giving them like a moment <laughs> and yeah. would, to regroup. I- yeah. I would say that is a uh, a missed opportunity for them, though, because here, here's what I'm doing in that situation. I'm shooting the T-1000. I'm getting a freaking push broom and I'm pushing that sucker into the molten, <laughs> yeah. the molten that's steel true. that's coming right yeah. for him. Yeah. Well, his, what's his his savior will be his undoing. I guess that scene. That scene suggests that they didn't end up at the steel mill on purpose, which is. Talk about your lucky breaks. Because yeah. I've always been no wondering about that. Like, did they did they end up at the steel mill because no. they knew that was the best shot of just trying? It's like, no. It's just the, like the point to is to escape. <laughs> He's just trying all they're all they're trying to that's the thing that's I think that's kind of scary about this movie for me. Um, is that they're not even trying to kill this dude. They're just trying to escape. They're yeah. just which is which is pointless. It's fruitless. The 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 the, the 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 point where they're finally up against a wall and and have to uh fight back is when you know the thing comes to an end like there is no escape so you're that's the whole movie is them trying to survive something that's not survivable oh okay, i hadn't thought about it until just what you were saying but uh it follows has that same just mm-hmm. creepy yes. dread oh totally yeah, yeah for sure um if you're talking about cool gun moves i also want to Linda Hamilton shooting him at the end and just like how she reloads the shotgun yeah is yeah yep. or is amazing and a good yeah. good parallel to the open so cool. to, to the scene before it where she's like trying yes. to like load the shot and it's like okay while while the other dude was while the T1000 got distracted by the T800 she's like okay I'm gonna put all the shells in this thing <laughs> so that I'm ready well, for the I next love, time <laughs> I love like it is she is one of the best you know, maybe there's an argument to be made that she's the best, like her and Ripley, both James Cameron characters, um, the best, the best female action hero, because like, she's a mom, but that's like not the entire extent of her story. There's times where she's doing, you know, she leaves to go do her own fucking thing. And there's a sense that like, 
saving her son is not the only reason she's doing it, even though it's that's also a huge motivating. She just gets to be a lot of things. She gets to she has a she you know she was in love with someone. She gets to be kind of like a romantic lady. She gets to be like very like vulnerable and in you know and she gets to be just like the baddest ass in the movie. She like has the the coolest like you know like s- strong person she's in a movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger and you're like more impressed by her like (laughs) workout routine (laughs) like it's pretty amazing she just she gets to do a lot and be so cool she's also you know performing surgery on like a cybernetic organism like all that and that's another shot that they kind of they almost treat that shot with more reverence than the helicopter uh like just the shot of them working in the mirror uh Mm -hmm. the that impossible shot um, but still, it's very like there's so many things that they choose to do just because they're hard. What that scene? I, I love the mirror scene. The scene where she's doing surgery on the Terminator—that is okay. not a real mirror; it's a false mirror, and that's Linda Hamilton's twin on the other side. Um, oh shit! That's I the only way that. you could have the ca- the camera not be in the frame. I didn't even think of that. That's crazy. You didn't know that. No, no, there's, I didn't yeah. know that. There's twins. There's the the cop earlier in the movie, the security guard. That, those are twins mm-hmm. as well. Okay. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. I want to watch that again now. Um, sorry. That's what though. I mean. I mean it doesn't up. call attention to itself with how yeah uh, difficult it is. Well, that's like and... that thing I sent you guys that one time. There's like an expression in animation, um, that came from Who Framed Roger Rabbit, where mm-hmm. they they the, he hits the lamp. Yes. And so you have to see all the shadows. Move. I can't remember yes. to call it hitting the lamp or animating the shadow yeah. or whatever. That's like that kind of uh, like, approach. Why would you do that? Yeah, yeah. Like just to make it hard, just to go, <laughs> yeah. go the extra mile. Uh, yeah. That's fascinating. Uh, oh, my one nitpick. And this is going to be me being the Internet guy that I complained about an hour ago or whatever. The uh, okay. on the screen, it says John when when uh, T1000 looks him up on the police computer, it says John is 10. Or something. Maybe it's in his computer, in his head. I don't know. Um, but Edward Furlong was 13 at the time. And to me, there's a pretty big jump between yes, 10 and 13. Yes, he doesn't read 10 at all. Exactly. I didn't so know he was 10. I thought he was, I thought he was yeah. 12. I thought he was 12. Well, that's the thing. It's it's no problem at all for the movie. Like, it does not matter. You only see it on the screen briefly. I assume the only reason they made him 10, but then cast yeah. a 13-year-old is because 10 probably fits in with, like, the timeline of Terminator lore yeah but then no, Furlong was such a great child actor they were like well we're gonna cast a 13 year old so but well, yeah no, I, think I don't, he's, I don't I think even Furlong's think that's great. true because i think this movie technically okay. takes place i think this movie takes place it's made in 1990 it only it's only cut it it came out six years after the first one yeah so i, I think and i think it takes place in like 1990 it takes place right before judgment day i think I think it's supposed to be like 1995 or 96 that is in this movie. Oh, so it doesn't take place in 91? No. Well, no, because he'd only be okay. six. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, this you might be right. So maybe he is supposed to be 10. But yeah, he doesn't read like 10 and no one cares. Yeah. No, yeah. no, it doesn't. But yeah, doesn't you're right. Really that is that's that, that was just that's, something. Yeah, I that's a, that's a nitpick. I've I've never noticed. That is that. one of my pet peeves, though, is that like in Hallmark movies, they do this all the time where they will like have a 12 year old playing an eight year old and it is so unsettling to watch <laughs> a 12 year old pretend to be younger like it's yeah. Yeah. so creepy yeah. uh, which is not what edward furlong is doing so it's fine but yeah, no that is and he, i think he's really good in this movie 
he's great. I cannot he's imagine like, a, I, I can't imagine a 10 year old in 1990 riding around LA on a dirt bike I can't imagine a 12 to 13 year old doing it though I don't yeah. know my mom might have been doing that <laughs> yeah okay. but not 1990 <laughs> no that's, that's true. true back in 19 1970 yeah 75 um, yeah yeah I was the whole time watching Edward Furlong that I was like I think he's great, but like I wonder what Mike will think because you're just very like you're the go-to guy for is this kid annoying <laughs> yeah. in a movie. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's a, it was a thing for a while. I don't think movies are as bad about it anymore. But there was always like like I think because I don't know I don't know what it was. The kid would just be like Macaulay Culkin. Cutesy. Like cute relief. I something. think that's it. I, I, I think, think Macaulay's it's... good in in Home Alone. He's great, but... but I think that's what they're trying to copy. Yeah, I yeah, think they're probably. following Macaulay Culkin. You know, yeah. so I think you get that's why you have like you know the kid from Star Wars and the kid from Big Daddy. Yeah, like I think yeah, they're all yeah, blonde are... too. You know, so yeah, yeah, with that little mop top. <sighs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, any little stragglers from you guys? No. Okay. No. Cruise minute. Cruise. Uh, I have th- I have a couple things. One, okay. um, Tom Cruise was born on July third, so he was almost born on the fourth of July. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Actually, I never knew. I think that was a name that I proposed for our podcast when it was going to be a Tom Cruise podcast. Almost born on the fourth of July. Something like born on the third of July. I think born I was going okay. to call it. <laughs> that would have been good. Wait, isn't isn't July third the day that Terminator Two came out? Or is that why you brought that up? Or you just that was just no? I idea. was just. I just I, I always Google <laughs> okay. I always Google Tom Cruise ten minutes before we finish, see what's going on. <laughs> okay. Uh and then I just I just was looked at his date of birth because I'm born on June second. Some if you look quickly, July kind of looks like June. So I was yeah. like, oh my God, were we born You're on the same day? You're basically born on the same day as Tom Cruise. Yeah. But basically. F- yeah. T- t- what, thirty years? No, it was or? that was it came out on July third. Terminator two did. So there you go. That's incredible. Wow. Yeah. Maybe he made it for Tom Cruise for his birthday. <laughs> That's a good present. Uh-huh. It is. Um, Tom Cruise uh, apparently had his eyes on playing Edward Scissorhands. And hmm. he wanted to know how Edward went to the bathroom. And apparently it was questions like that. We're asking the questions that do not need to be asked about this character or why he didn't get it. Hmm. Speaking <laughs> of Edward Scissorhands, the latest Scaparelli collection... Has just scissor hands as an as an element. I thought that was interesting. Hmm. Hmm. They're like a surrealist Speaking... clothing brand. Okay. Speaking of Edward Scissorhands, uh, at the Hugo Awards in 1991, Terminator 2 won Best Science Fiction Film. Edward Scissorhands won Best Fantasy Film. So there you go. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's wonderful. I personally, Edward Scissorhands is one role that I'm glad Tom Cruise did not get. Yeah, I think yeah, that for sure. definitely he'd be my pick. I think he would struggle to play someone that sweet. I mean, I'd like to see him try, but I I think that that would not be in his wheelhouse. Yeah. Like Edward yeah, Scissorhands I... is almost like a a nice meek Lestat, and I don't see that happening. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, all these years, Tom Cruise has been trying to see, like, what are his limits? And turns out they were right in front of him all along, and it was Edward Scissorhands. What is the, what's the, like, nicest, sweetest guy he's played? Because, like, Jerry Maguire's not nice. No. No. Like, Vanilla Sky, he's not nice. 
take a look. Is he nice even in like, The Outsiders? I've never seen that. No, no? they're all street toughs. Like okay. even he's in, not like, nice in risky in, business. In uh, in in um, War of the Worlds, he's like he starts out he's kind of a deadbeat dad, and then he becomes mm. like a better dad. So like I think that's interesting though that Maybe he doesn't legend? choose to play. Yeah, he's probably the nicest in Legend. Yeah, but I wouldn't name that as like a def- as a tr- that wouldn't be a trait of that character that I would list. No, yeah, I agree. Legend's definitely the closest to Edward Scissorhands, I think, probably. And that's interesting though that he he likes he plays um roguish guys. Like there has to be some baseline of like nastiness, I think, in whatever whatever yeah. most of the characters he plays. <laughs> Maybe I haven't seen The Last Samurai. I don't know who if that guy was like a criminal. You haven't? He's like a super nice no. samurai. <laughs> oh, you <Yeah>. should <laughs> We should do that. That's it's good. Yeah, there's Last lots. Of, there's I'd lots like to of Tom that. Cruise movies left to do. I need to what show you guys hell? Rock of Ages. Like... It's been a while since we've watched a Tom Tom Cruise movie. If I'd known, I think, oh, damn, I didn't know that you hadn't seen that one. I would have. Mike has to go. Okay, well, that's yeah. fine. Sarah made some brownies, and I want some brownies. So, oh yeah, that's uh, totally reasonable. <laughs> uh, thank you for joining us tonight, folks. But Mike, what are Please... we going to watch next week? Oh, well, thank you for asking me, Andrew. Um, what did you have in mind to watch next week? It's funny we that I asked you when I'm the one who has to answer the question. That's crazy. <laughs> Pretty um, wild. That's how yes. we podcast. Yep. Next week, we're going to be watching 1999's The Matrix. We're doing it. I'm mm-hmm. excited. Kit has never seen The Matrix. Is that correct? That's why the, that's what this that whole thing correct. was about, right? Yeah. That okay. is correct. Um, I think it's possible she I'm won't kind of, like it. The, I'm kind of disappointed. I think it's the end of an era. I think it's very possible I won't like it, but I will say I'm going into it in a better position than I have ever been to like this movie. Wow. <laughs> we love it. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. I, I like, like anime okay. now. So That's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, uh, Slow Motion Triple Feature was recorded in uh, the cell right next to Sarah Connor's cell at the hospital. Uh, special thanks to our producer, Lee, the man in the booth who makes us sound great. If you'd like to contact us, please do so at slowmotiontriple at gmail.com. Hooray for- Hooray.